You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, you are listening to My Dog Digs Dirt. I'm your host, Lauren Collier. Have you ever heard of the organization Thinking Animals United? It's a nonprofit dedicated to education, compassion, conservation, and protection of animals everywhere. Stay tuned to find out more and meet the founder and president, Bonnie Wiper. Up next, when My Dog Digs Dirt returns right after this. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back to My Dog Digs Dirt. I'm here with Bonnie Wiper, founder and president of Thinking Animals United. Welcome to the show, Bonnie. Thank you very much. Really, I'm delighted to have you here. It's really such a unique organization. So I want to start out by telling our listeners exactly what you're all about. Well, we're an educational and communications nonprofit dedicated to educating the public about other animals and the people who protect them. Our website is called Thinking Animals United because, in effect, we are all thinking animals united on the planet. And we have been holding, gee, for the last four years, we've been holding public lectures, inviting world-renowned scientists to educate the public about what the latest research in animal cognition and behavior is. So how animals think, why they behave as they do, are they self-aware? Do they behave with intention? Do they pass knowledge between generations? That kind of that kind of thing. We've also just recently rebranded the site and expanded our mission to looking at both the humane treatment of animals and their conservation. So next May we are putting together a what we're calling the Rethinking Animal Summit and it's going to deal with the consequences if we do not change how we relate to other species on the planet. So we've taken five silos of interest to just about everybody on the planet, and those are how do animals impact our health? How do they impact global security? How do they impact national economies as well as environmental sustainability? And then perhaps most important but more subtle how do they impact the moral imperatives that we want to leave our children for future generations? Yeah. 
I mean, it's very, very interesting. I have to say I was drawn to you because of some of these uh, wonderful lectures and events that you that you put on. They're very unique. And so I want to make sure Thank our you. listeners, yeah, will definitely, you know, log on to your website and sign up so hopefully they can be on your, you know, email list. Mention really? a couple, I mean, because you have really interesting speakers and just interesting topics. Recently, you had one about elephants and you also had the some photographers. How do you put this all together, Bonnie? You, you really make this a very interesting, compelling subject. Aren't you nice? Thank you. You know, I went through Hunter College here in New York. I went through their animal behavior and conservation program and ended up with a, an advanced degree in the psychology of animal behavior and conservation. And during that period, I did a lot of research and wrote papers, and I realized that you know, behind academic walls, this was this was back in 2008, 2007, I realized that there was an enormous amount of really, really interesting research behind academic walls. It was not getting out to the public. So I started thinking animals with two other people. And when you deal with animal cognition, there are certain areas that you want to cover. And, you know, that is things like communications. How do we and then people are always interested in how do you actually find out how smart animals are because, of course, we can't communicate with them. Right. So, you know, one of the biggest challenges for researchers in this area is like this is work either in the field, watching animals in the field, or in captive situations. These are not invasive research mm-hmm. studies by any means. Yeah, that's important. Um, one of them, yeah, oh, oh absolutely. So it's done by giving the animal a, a particular task to accomplish and to see how uh, mm-hmm. how they do it. But one of the most difficult things is, of course, the idea that or the fact that animals live in completely different worlds than we do. And we have no way of entering their world. We've evolved to live in a, in a visual world. A dog, for instance, has evolved to live in a world that is dominated by scent. So we have 5 million scent receptors. A dog has 300 million scent receptors. Unbelievable, right. Right. So we can never understand Mm. the world that a dog lives in. What's happened to humans is through the years, through evolution, in order to develop this big brain of ours, which is very energy-intensive, we had to give up a lot of the other senses, or we were born, we never you know, developed those particular senses. And sense it through the sense, the senses that you have, right. touch, feeling, hearing, seeing, that you interpret the world. So if you, both emotionally and, well, in every manner. So if you see a lion coming at you, you experience your visual sense tells you that the lion is coming. You experience the emotion of fear and that immediately tells your legs to get going. Right. Uh, <laughs> turn the opposite direction and run. So, you know, other animals have amazing capabilities to communicate through chemicals, through magnetic, tapping into the magnetic poles of the earth. They can see, birds can see things that we can't see. All other species live in worlds that we simply can't get into. So one of the major issues for researchers is how do you develop studies to understand a particular species right. within the world that we can't enter. And some people are better at doing that than others. You can look at research studies and, you know, after you know, if you've studied a number, you can say, 
she they really didn't crack this one. They just mm-hmm. didn't get. For instance, there's a test called the mirror self-recognition test, which is given both to human infants as well as to a number of different species, and wow. particularly with species with complex folded neocortex. And what that does is there are several stages that you show an animal or an infant a mirror, mm-hmm. and initially they look, they see another one like them, another conspecific, as you say, and they look around the mirror. They try to see where it is. They, they, depending upon the species, they'll try to attack it, but they perceive it as something other than themselves. Right. At a certain point, you start seeing the animal or the baby doing what's called contingency testing. They'll stick out their tongue and they'll see that the other animal in the, in the mirror does too. And they start Ah. wondering, they they raise their hand or they, they look under their arm or, depending upon what kind of animal it is. And then what's done is called a mark test, where you put a mark on the subject in a place where he or she can't see it unless you use the mirror. And if they recognize mark on themselves, and they do that by touching it, using the mirror to see it. So a dolphin will raise its fin if the mark is under its fin, because a dolphin couldn't see it normally. And at that point, the brain, it's, it's a process of brain development. The brain is capable of understanding that there are other people or other conspecifics out in the world and that you, yourself, your sense of self and self-awareness is developed enough to realize that you're separate from them, you're different from them. Wow. And at that point, you develop, it's sort of the first step towards empathy and Basically, being able to walk in someone else's shoes, understanding that other people have different needs and perspective taking and trying to figure out what they can do. So anticipating what other creatures will do, etc. So for a long time, scientists only thought that animals with big complex neocortex could do this. And then in 2008, it was discovered that certain corvids, which include birds like crows and ravens and starlings, etc., also pass the mirror test, mirror and mark test. And when you think about it, you know, these birds cache nuts. They can cache 300, 400 nuts and remember where they are. It's amazing, right. A couple of years later, which is better than us. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So so chimpanzees and dolphins and elephants and and these monkeys and and in some cases pigeons have been able to, to do this. Other animals for whom, for instance, a dog, for whom the visual system is very different and for whose world is really scent-oriented, right. that's not a relevant test to them. You can't, you don't use that test. A snake, you can't use that test. An right. octopus, you couldn't use right. that test. Other creatures, you have to figure out different ways of relating to their world. It's up to, to see, us yeah, to, to figure that. out. So well, it's really, it's yeah. the limit of our own intelligence that uh, I mean, keeps it, us from knowing more. And it's so fascinating. That's why, you know, I mentioned you're very unique because these are things we don't, you know, usually hear about just on a limited basis. But I love the fact that you offer these programs where people can go and learn and and see these things. It's really terrific. Bonnie, I'm going to take a short break, but we'll be right back with Bonnie Weicker, who is the founder and president of Thinking Animals United. Stay tuned. My Golden Retriever Sundance is a lot more playful now. She has more pep. 
and energy. Tons of energy. Happy the rescue dog is happy the healthy dog. Petey is having fun again. He's got a shiny coat and a good healthy weight. Molly's been having four scoops a day. She pushes her little bowl all the way across the room, emptying every last single crumb. She has slimmed down and gotten this puppy look. She's got life. She's got energy. We get asked all the time when we're at shows, how do you get your dog so healthy and shiny and glossy? D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa. The digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. Dynavite is nutrition. Just feed your dog right. Do the Dynavite. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. Dynavite for life. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, the founder of Whitegate PR. We have been specializing in PR and marketing in the pet industry for over 10 years. If you have a pet product or service you would like to promote, give us a call. We can help create awareness for your brand on TV, radio, magazines, newspapers, and blogs. Feel free to reach me directly at 619-414-9307 or learn more on our website at whitegatepr.com or follow us on Facebook. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. My Dog Digs Dirt is back. We're here with Bonnie Wiper, founder and president of Thinking Animals United. Bonnie, we're talking about your very unique organization and the fact that you offer some very interesting uh, lectures and events. I know we mentioned briefly you have a summit coming up in May, and I want to say to our listeners, this is something anyone can go to. Am I right? I mean, you don't have to be a scientist Absolutely. to attend. Right. Oh, I- no. No, 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 no. No, these are subjects that are of interest. Really to, to every absolutely. everybody. Would you mention? Okay, and I'm, it is for everybody. Yes, because mm-hmm. I, I want to make sure. Bonnie, mention just a few of the lectures that you have over the yep. year, and because I want people to get an idea. As I said, they're just really very interesting. And by the way, our website, which is thinkinganimalsunited.org, you can see we're slowly getting the videos up. We videotaped everything, so the videos are slowly getting up onto the site. And you can see the actual lectures. You can also find out about Terrific. the scientists that have spoken at each one. So we've had exploring creative minds. What is creativity? And mm-hmm. do animals think creatively, which is really, can they solve problems? Can they look at a, a situation? They have to crack a nut. Can they come up with an interesting way to solve that problem of cracking the nut? Very interesting, uh, yeah. Living in alien worlds which is one that, a particular one that I loved, which is looking at, I often say to people when I'm talking about other species, you know, have you heard, has anyone here ever heard of SETI, S-E-T-I, which is the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, ah. um, a program which we spend millions on and other countries do as well. And I say, you know, it, I look at it and I say, you know, we spend all this money looking for aliens up in the sky when in point of fact we're uh-huh. surrounded by them. Uh-huh. And they're other animals. Your lectures are about all different types of animals. We're not oh, we're yeah. talking about big cats. We're talking about elephants, penguins, oh, eagles, pigeons, even puppies, you know. So that's what really makes it so, you know, incredibly interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah. In the Living in Alien Worlds, one of the most fascinating things that came out is 
that bees, ah. the humble bumblebee, have the second most complex language in the world. Really? We have a, yep. They communicate wow. using dance. dance. They communicate using chemicals, heat. They have a very, very complex communication system. So this, this little animal that has this pin-sized brain has an incredibly complex way wow. of communicating. Wow. Because yeah. um, you would have thought, right, a bee, right. Right. And then we interviewed Irene Pepperberg, who had Alex the parrot. We did one about dogs. It turns out the title of that was, So You Think You Know Your Dog. Uh-huh. It turns out, in fact, your dog knows you better than you know the dog. Yeah, uh, I believe that one, right. And you do a lot of work with uh, elephants and protecting elephants. We do. We've yeah. been bringing in some conservation groups recently. We recently had Wildlife SOS, which is an absolutely fabulous group from New Delhi, India, and that has single-handedly stopped the dancing bear trade in, uh, yeah. in uh, dancing in India, which was a horrible, horrible. Yes, bears terrible. Were in pain for their entire lives. And now they're tackling the use of temple elephants and elephants for tourists because the elephants are treated unbelievably badly. They have big, huge spiked metal things around their legs. They become, oh, fat, you know, I can't, just, uh, I know. Um, that's well, well, that's why uh, what you're we, doing is so important because even though you don't want to hear it, you know, I'm saying I'm like, I can't hear that, but it, you have to hear it and get involved. Wouldn't you agree, Bonnie, as you did by starting this organization? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's very difficult to look at some of the things that we do I, to other species. Very difficult. Um, and, and not only in, in with wild animals that we capture and delegate to lives with complete torture, mm-hmm. but the farm animals and the lab animals and, you know, the circus animals. These animals should not be, animals should be wild. Mm-hmm. And if animals were wild, they would be allowed to help us keep the earth healthy. But in fact, we lock them up and subject them to miserable lives, and they have had terrible impacts on our health, on global security, on, you know, the economies and environmental sustainability. So we've really kind of, in a way, turned these poor other animals, because of course we're an animal ourselves, we've turned these other animals into things that are destroying the planet in many Mm. ways. And it's not their fault, it's what we're doing to them. Well, that is killing ourselves. Yeah. Well, you must be proud of what you've accomplished, Bonnie. You feel that, you know, more and more people are joining you. I know our listeners can get involved. Let us know how. Uh, it must be Absolutely. a good feeling that you're making a difference in many ways. You know, it's a thing that you get up every day and get you to the office to apply for the next grant to, you know, talk to the next corporation, uh, plan the next lecture and work. I love talking to conservationists and scientists and animal advocates about what they're doing and learning about the successes. And it's the successes we want to focus on in May as well. Yes. Amazing entrepreneurs out there and companies out there that are absolutely doing amazing work to change the world for other species as well as ourselves right. on the planet. So we're going to be looking at that in May as well. So that's the uh, summit in May. Summit. Tell our listeners exactly when in May that is and where they can uh, get information to maybe come on down and take part. Absolutely. It's going to be May 5th. 5th through 7th, 5th through 7th in New York City. 
part of it will be held at the Explorers Club in New York. Of course. Uh-huh. And part of it will be held at the New York Academy of Medicine, which has a very lovely, large auditorium. So you can go to our site at www.thinkinganimalsunited.org. Donations are always appreciated. Yeah. That's one of the daily facts yes, you I ever bet. forget in running a nonprofit. But you can find out about the summit there. We have a wonderful interview series called Wild Voices, where we interview animal advocates, entrepreneurs, innovators, uh, conservationists. Uh, We have a blog that we're just getting up and running, interviewing people. Well, not interviewing. People are writing articles about various aspects of animal cognition or conservation for us, and there is an opportunity, of course, to respond to it. We have beautiful really beautiful bracelet. Yes, I, I was just going to say, uh, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. I mean, these would make such great gifts. I really encourage people to take a look at these. They're so different. I think you call them spirit cuffs. Spirit cuffs. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. about two and a half inches wide. They're outstanding. And, uh, outstanding. They have animals, beautiful images of animals on them. They're gorgeous. Yeah. And the money, of course, goes back to help you and to, you know, increase and to help the work the that you do and to help the animals. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I applaud you. I just want to finish by having you just talk briefly about how you feel having created this wonderful organization. And again, you know, some of you're making a difference. And I really applaud you for that. It must be, well, again, a great feeling. You know, it really is. I've done a lot of different things in my life, but I grew up with animals. At a certain point, I I said to myself, look, I'm going to be, I hate to say this because it dates me, but I'm, at a certain <laughs> point, I'm going to be looking at the last third of my life. And oh, no. What <laughs> is it? What is it that, that uh, really, really is, because I've done many, 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 I've had many, many, many different careers. What is it that I want to, that really at the base, at the core, what is it that means something to me that I will, that I want to devote the rest of my life to? And of course, I grew up with animals. My grandparents had a farm. We Ah. always had animals growing up. I went to a school that was, I was very lucky that put a big emphasis on nature and knowing the different trees and different flowers in the woods and that sort of thing. So I grew up with a love of nature and a passion, really a passion for animals. And that was it. It's something that I wish everybody in the world could have, a passion. I think that, you know, there's so many problems in the world and they are so enormous. There's a thing called compassion fatigue is that you start to withdraw because Mm. in so many cases you feel as if there's nothing you as an individual can do. But in point of fact, there is always something that you can do, whether it just be becoming informed or starting a blog, mm-hmm. or telling your friends, or, you know, helping in a cleanup. There's always something you can do, and if you put your mind to it, you will figure out what works for you. And I am so lucky I figured out that, that what what works for me. That's um, fantastic. Well, I but, really... But it's, well, and what you're doing, too, is, you know, is wonderful, bringing voices to the public who care about animals. Oh, yeah. Thank you. It's wonderful. I'm really happy to spread the word. And I want people to know, so your website, once again, Bonnie, www.thinkinganimalsunited.org. And also we can find you on Facebook, right? Yes. Our Facebook page is Thinking Animals United. So it's facebook.com slash Thinking Animals United, all one word, and that'll get you to our Facebook page. And we have great stuff. 
Um, Great stuff, yeah. Facebook. Really? We've got about 30,000 followers now, almost 31, and they're a very loyal group. It's wonderful. Well, you really hit a home run here because your programs are excellent. What you're doing is just really interesting, and I think everyone, all of our listeners, should log on and take a look and and become involved. So thank you, Bonnie. It's Bonnie Wiper, president and founder of Thinking Animals United. I wish you continued success. Thank you so much. Hope to see you soon. And I really enjoyed Yes. I'm going to come. And if you get here, if you come out here, yes, you have to come and and look me up. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And I want to thank our listeners. This has been My Dog Digs Dirt. I'm Lauren Collier. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.